Here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On, it's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Friday edition of the show. We're going to talk about these coaches in the NFC and assess the hot seat meter that they're on. Kyle, welcome. Happy Friday. I'm a little nervous right now. I have to be completely transparent. Okay. There's nothing to do with Star Wars, which we talked about before we started, got on the air now, because I'm going to go see Star Wars today. But it has everything to do with Christmas next week. Okay. So you know I am, with work, generally speaking, a workaholic. I'm not a procrastinator. Right. With everything else in my life, I am absolutely a procrastinator. So I did all of my Christmas shopping uh, about a week ago and elected not to pay the $80 it would have taken for the two-day shipping because I bought everybody's gifts on Amazon. And I refused to sign up for services like Amazon Prime and stuff like that because I'm just put off by like pay the heavy fee up front and then continue to pay us down the road. You know, uh, man, I order something from Amazon three times a week, I think. Well, my wife orders something from Amazon every day, but I can't order presents from her account because then she would see what she's getting. Oh, so I could have ordered everyone else's stuff from her account and then just bought her separate. But I bought everybody's all in one sitting when I was alone at home. I sat down. I did it in an hour. <laughs> but I didn't pay for the two-day shipping, so now it's been like a week. And I don't have half of my Christmas presents yet. <laughs> so I'm sitting here doing the math. It might come tomorrow, but it probably won't come tomorrow. It could come today. I got to get on and check to see the shipping status. But if it doesn't come today, I have to begin bracing for the possibility that people are not going to have their presents on Christmas. Who... Uh... You have to buy gifts for people that like it's your responsibility to do it. Like your wife wouldn't doesn't just get everything except for what you're getting for her. No. She's not gonna buy my parents gifts, my oh. sister gifts, my really? brother in law gifts. No, I gotta do all that. You, you you know where I'm at with all this stuff, right? Yeah. I do. Don't buy me and I don't buy you. Yeah. It, it's a beautiful thing. Like people i have uh two brothers one sister mom you know wife side of the family uncles aunts all that stuff i'm not exchanging gifts with adults i'm just not gonna do it i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get i'm not gonna spend fifty dollars on a gift for you you spend fifty dollars on a gift on me and we're just tossing fifty dollars bills back and forth i'm just just not gonna do it just put the fifty dollar bill in the christmas card and i'll i'll give you your christmas card tomorrow with the same fifty dollar bill in it that you gave to me i can't i can't it's 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 so ridiculous. Now, my nieces, nephews, kids that are involved in the family equation, yes, absolutely. Get them gifts. But, uh, man, me and my brother who's 39 years old, do you really think we need to uh, <laughs> swap gifts? 
I just can't, man. I, I it, it's and it's it's made the holiday season much more enjoyable. We started it last year, and uh, it's it's been nice, man. We just focus on the time together, presents for kids, and the joy that it brings them, having great and, meals, all that and stuff. Football but, and football, exactly. Football. But it it's not this big, you know. I I see what this does to people. I can't I can't be part of it. Yeah, it's kind of like when you and your spouse both have divorced parents and then you got to do four <laughs> households on the same day or the same 36-hour window. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's We we put our foot down this year. We're not doing that this year. Well, good for you. Good for you. I'm going to uh my sister's house to meet with and do gifts with my dad on um Monday. And then we're staying home. And we said, if you want to see us on Christmas, you can come to our house. We don't Good care. For you. We, don't, we don't care when you come. Good for you. That's been stressful for you for many years now. So yes, good. yes. Good I'm not you. so stressed about this uh, NFC gauntlet we're facing, though, because I think a lot of these answers are pretty cut and dry. Well, let's rip through it. Well, I I MC the East in the AFC. Do you want to MC the East in the NFC? Sure, I'll do it. All right, great. All right. That sounds good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so we're up first with the first place Dallas Cowboys yeah. at seven and seven. Kyle, Jason Garrett, the head coach, a lot of rumblings about his job status. Let me say one thing about Jason Garrett. They're about to win the AFC East for the fourth time in the last NFC six East. years. Did I say AFC East? You did. Freudian slip. All right, so NFC East for the last six years, but we're talking about getting this guy out of here. He's had a winning season. He's been the coach of this team. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. This is his 10th season. He's going to have a winning record in nine out of 10 years for the last six division champions, and we're talking about getting this guy out of town. Maybe they've peaked. Maybe this is as good as they can be under Jason Garrett, right? This is a talented team, one of the more talented teams in the league. And they're going to fumble through like an eight and eight year that's going to win the NFC East. I think I can get behind. I think he's had plenty of time. He's, I mean, this is like we just talked about 10 years. He's had plenty of time to get this team over the hump. And it continues to maybe barely achieve its its peak or slightly underachieve. I think this is one of those situations like uh, Mark Richt to Kirby Smart in Georgia where, hey, the team's not bad. It's not a bad football team. We're just not going to get over the hump with you. And so we bring in Kirby Smart, and all of a sudden we're playing for the SEC championship. I think this is a little bit about that situation here where it's just a slight up leadership upgrade here, and you get more out of this talent. So I think he's – I think I think that even if he wins the division at 8-8 at eight and eight or whatever, that his, he's, he's basically goodbye. I agree. Jason, uh, I think a decade. How many playoff wins does he have in 10 years, Joe? Uh, two. Two, okay. Uh, and you said they've won the division four out of the last six years? They've won three of the last five right now. So if they win this year, four of the last six. And how many playoff appearances do they have in 10 years? Well, this would be their fourth. So the other, all the other winning seasons that he's had, they have not made the playoffs. Right, because he's barely like it's, he has three eight and eights and a nine and seven that did not get him in the playoffs. Oh, see, there's a little bit more context as far as the past decade under Jason Garrett. Listen, I don't think Jason's particularly good with game management. I don't think he's very good with with like game risk. 
and can be overly conservative at times. This team is so talented, they need a kick in the ass. And the only logical change that there is to make, in my opinion, is at head coach. This team, teams take on, you hear this a lot, teams take on the personality of their coach, right? Yep. What's the personality of Jason Garrett? Boring. That's the personality of the Dallas Cowboys this year. Plus 90 point differential, 7-7. Seven and seven. <laughs> I don't care if they win out, and they, they, they very well may win out. I think the Eagles have a pretty good shot of winning Week 16. Uh, but even if the Cowboys win the division, win out, go 9-7, and seven, you're looking at probably a first-round playoff exit again, and he's gone. And they need to make the change, period. All right, Philadelphia Eagles, also 7-7. Seven and seven. Doug Peterson, the head coach, Super Bowl champion head coach in 20, mm-hmm. 2017, 13-3 that year, 9-7 mm-hmm. and seven last year, went to the playoffs, got a chance to win mm-hmm. the East this year. Mm-hmm. Doug Peterson is safe for years. The one thing that I think is going to be big for Doug moving forward is being able to, re, you know, he's going to lose his staff a little bit. He's got to be able to replace it a little better. I think some of losing Frank Reich and John Filippo, I think that's been notable and, and the team hasn't been able to really uh, maintain its consistency post those guys. So be able to produce those coaches. But I mean, Doug Peterson's a, a good football coach and a lot of injuries this year but he's safe for years. I agree wholeheartedly. I would say that the one change I would consider if I were Doug Peterson, obviously they've, they've got to do a talent overhaul at certain positions, mm-hmm. but I really don't feel like they've done their secondary a lot of favors with right. Jim Schwartz's <laughs> style of play, right? You know, you're asking guys who you know aren't very good to play off man and, and on an island a ton. Seems kind of counterintuitive to me. I think maybe a defensive coordinator change wouldn't be the worst idea for the Philadelphia Eagles this offseason. <laughs> Get a new system in there. You can kind of still use the same infrastructure penetration style fronts, but I think the Schwartz thing's kind of played out in Philly, and I think it's peaked. Yeah, Jim's not done a good job of continuing to mold his scheme around the strengths of his players. It's 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 been disappointing because I think he's had some really good defenses in the past. Mm-hmm. All right, New York Giants, three and eleven. Pat Shermer, he go. Listen, this this dude is eighteen and forty five as a head coach in the NFL. Somehow got a second go around too, brother. He's he's had four <laughs> four and twelve, five and eleven, five and eleven, three and eleven, and then he was one and zero as the interim coach for like one game in Philadelphia. I mean, what are we doing? He's, I mean, he's a total square. He's can't win. He's got to go, man. He's he's got to be goodbye. There's a zero percent chance Pat Shermer comes back, and if if Shermer's back, Mara and Tish should be ashamed of themselves. <laughs> and it's not like there's been that much. Like you, you sometimes think, oh wow, there's been some really good progress with this young quarterback. There's not been enough of that with Daniel Jones for me to be like, you know what, we've got to keep him with Shermer. You know, how many fumbles Daniel Jones has this year. I'm guessing like twelve. Uh, I think he's lost 10 or 11 <laughs> and he hasn't played the last two games. He has like a total of like 15 fumbles this yeah, year. A ton. Yeah. So it's like, uh, I mean, Pat Shermer didn't ask him to fumble the ball, but no, of course not. But 
you know, Pat Shermer's there because he did good things with Nick Foles, or I'm sorry, with um, Case yeah, Nick, Nick Foles when he was in Philly, and then Case Keenum in Minnesota. That's why Shermer's here. So if you're not going to get quality development out of your young quarterback, and you can't manage a game to save your life, why are you here? I got. I got to give him credit though. He he had a better winning percentage with the Browns than he did with the Giants. Twenty eight percent with the Browns. Twenty six percent with the Giants. You know, if you took like the aberration season, what was it? Twenty seventeen. The Giants went eleven and five. Uh, yeah, like the first year with McAdoo. Yeah, if you t- yeah. if you take that year out of the equation, this team has been complete shit for like eight years now. They've been horrible. Yeah, but he's, they're also the only reason the Patriots don't have eight Super Bowl championships. Well, we, and we are very thankful for that. But <laughs> to my point, here's the games yeah. the Giants have won since 2013. Seven, six, six, 11, three, five, and three. Yeah, it's been they're a bad terrible. run. Bad, bad run for a franchise that has had a lot of championship success. At least, Joe. So. And the, t- the team that went 11 and 5 had a point differential of plus 26. That's, so that they was sc- McAdoo. They, and you knew he was crap the whole time. They scored 310 points in 16 games and won 11. 310, really? They scored 19.4 points per game, were 26th in the league in scoring offense. Yeah, 310 because- is really bad. Like, even in the NFL right now, like, if you had 310 yeah. points. I got. I got to know the answer to this. If you had 310 points right now with two games to play, you would be uh, the same as the Arizona Cardinals. So, like near 20. That's terrible. The Carolina Panthers have 324 points in 14 games this year. Wow. The Giants won six of their 11 games. They scored less than 20 points in that year. Yeah, that's bad. All right, let's move on to whatever team is next. Washington. Uh, it's already done. Yeah, already Washington done. Redskins. Yeah, they're going to have a new head coach. It's not going to be Bill Callahan. They're 3-11. and 11. Let's see what happens. Let's see who they can attract. Is it going to be Urban Meyer? Is it going to be uh, a steady hand like a Ron Rivera type guy? Why would Ron Rivera go to Washington? You know, it's going to be interesting to see what, they, what they're able to settle on. It's either going to be something really splashy that you're like, wow, they got that guy, or like, oh, that was the only guy they can get. It's either going to be, wow, they got that guy, or wow, they got that guy. Right. (laughs) Those are your options, Washington. So we'll see. We'll see which way it goes. But it's either going to be super intriguing or super boring. Yeah. Those are the only options that you get in Washington. So the NFC North, uh, Matt LaFleur, first-year head coach, Green Bay Packers. And he's got this team at 11-3, and clinched a playoff berth already, uh, playing Minnesota – Next this week, next week, uh, this week, yeah. this week on Monday night football with a chance to clinch the division and get to 12 wins and Joe potentially get a first round by pretty impressive stuff for Matt LaFleur in year one. I don't think there's any chance we see Matt LaFleur go anywhere anytime soon. He's safe for years. Yeah, with you. Uh, Mike Zimmer. And the Minnesota Vikings are 10 and 4 this year. They've had a nice bounce back here. Uh, Minnesota has had some talent. The question for them was quarterback. 
two years ago with Case Keenum. The offensive coordinator that year was Pat Shermer, as we referenced a little bit earlier, and some of the magic that he was able to work that year. Minnesota goes 13-3. and three. Uh, The progression under Zimmer has been nice. Zimmer took over a team in 2014 uh, that was coming off a 5-10-1 season under Leslie Frazier. Zimmer that year went seven and nine. Then he was eleven and five with Teddy Bridgewater. Then Teddy Bridgewater gets hurt. They make a trade with a first round pick for Sam Bradford. They go eight and eight. Then the Case Keenum year, they go to thirteen and three. They have a regression last year. The offense takes a step back. They go eight seven and one, and now they're ten and four. Joe, I think because you see consistently, you would love to see like double digit wins strung together for a couple years now, but. And, and based on Zimmer's track record, like 2020 might be a down year around 500 before he's back up at like 12 wins again in 2021 because he does really good in the odd years in Minnesota and not so good in the even years. But he's got a really nice record here, and he's turned this team all the way around, and it seems like the team's responding. He's getting good play out of Kirk Cousins. Defensively, they're just loaded with talent. I know that they're getting they're, – they're facing some potential turnover in the secondary, but – Zimmer has done a really, really nice job of getting consistent opportunities for this team to make deep playoff runs. They were in the conference championship game in 2017. Uh, obviously, that required the miracle at the uh, in, against the Saints that year with the Stephon Diggs walk-off touchdown. But I think Zimmer's safe for years. I know there w- was some concern with him where if this year didn't go well, but another double-digit win season I think really buys him another couple of years. I think that makes him safe for years. And it's going to be three double-digit win seasons in the last five years, man. I mean, he's – I know he's going to have – never had like, a losing season in the last five years. Yeah, I mean, it's – He's had four winning gonna, seasons. I mean, this is what I mean. Don't this is kind of what you want, right? Like, you got a chance. Uh, yeah, he's safe for years. Should be at least. All right. Chicago Bears, twenty eighteen Coach of the Year, Matt Nagy. Yep. Has this team at seven and seven. This team has kind of struggled to find some consistency. Uh, we thought three hundred and ten points was bad, Joe. The Bears have two games left to play, and they've got two hundred and fifty six points. And they ain't getting to three ten. I doubt they're getting a 310 because they've got to play uh, Kansas City this week. And then next week, to finish their season, the Bears are playing at Minnesota. You ain't getting a 310. (laughs) So um, I think Nagy's safe for now. But if you see next year go south and the offense continues to regress, a lot of times these coaches get married to quarterbacks, and Mitch Trubisky had a pretty rough middle eight of the season this year. You no, know, he was hurt for part of that. He had a shoulder issue. But it also seemed like Nagy got the Bears offense away from a lot of what they did really well with Trubisky in 2018. So that's kind of something I'm interested in watching develop. I think he's safer now. I don't think he's in any immediate danger or anything like that. But if twenty nine or twenty twenty goes poorly, I think there may be a conversation about Matt Nagy. Yeah, I'd kind of like to see what he can do without Mitch. Um, to be honest with you, um, I thought his whole handling of that missed field goal in the playoffs was extremely weird. Oh, I mean, right, they were having like kept talking about it. We had open tryouts for kickers, and you got them kicking in the stadium, and it was. 
I mean, most teams would just like, hey, we need to move on from this. He lived it for seven months after the game. And I, that was a weird thing for me. But uh, and some of his some of his demeanor with the media this year as well, with kind of addressing some questions he's received about, you know, run run pass balance and, you know, getting David Montgomery involved in those types of things like he's been really like sarcastic and kind of kind of at a weird place compared to where we saw him in his first year and, and even throughout his second year. So, yeah, I think he's safe for now, but this this could turn quick. This is this almost has like a little bit of an Adam Gase feel to it, doesn't it? Almost because he gets like condes- he gets condescending with the media sometimes. He sure does. Yep. And Gase came into Miami year one, won ten games, and then he was uh, six and ten and seven and nine. And obviously he had an injury that cost Ryan Tannehill all of twenty seventeen. But like this, this Bears offense with an offensive minded head coach in Matt Nagy is. 26th in points, scoring 18.3 points per game. They're averaging less than 300 yards of offense per game. Less than 300 yards of offense per game, Joe. Offensive minded head coach. And before we sit here and we toot their horn for getting back to, you know, they they won three games in a row to get to seven and uh, uh, seven and six. They beat the Giants by five. The Lions in Detroit by four, and then they beat the bipolar Cowboys. I'm just saying. Safe for now. Safe for now. And then we have Matt Patricia in Detroit, Jill. And I don't know what the hell to do with this. I guess he's safe for now because they said he's coming back next year. Mm hmm. He's nine twenty and one. He's, this this seat needs to be hot. I'm sure I'm sure it is hot, but like I don't foresee any way based on what Matt Patricia showed. You said he's nine twenty and one. Yeah, six and ten, three ten and one this year. What what likelihood would we give Detroit until November first next year before they say, <laughs> "Wow, we probably should have fired Matt Patricia and moved on." Yeah, I think with with Patricia, I mean, his defense hasn't come close to achieving what it was expected to. He got a ton of help on that side of the ball this year. I mean, he's really weird with the media. He's he just has a really different presentation of of the way he applies himself as a leader of a NFL football team and. I don't know. You, you have enough questions like that, and you see where the team is trending. I know they've been injured a lot. Not, I mean, obviously Stafford going down this year was a big deal, and he was playing really good ball. But to me, Matt Patricia is here because of defense, and they can't stop anyone. And uh, I mean, he—I just don't—I don't see it turning a corner. You know, I, I just don't. Kind of with his, I guess his overall sloppy tendencies. And at least, like when you think about what Kyle Shanahan had to deal with, with injuries in San Francisco the last couple of years before the big breakout year this year, like you could at least point to optimism and say, well, you know, he's taken third string quarterbacks and he's competitive at the end of the season. And and I was skeptical in the 49ers coming into the year and said, well, I need Shanahan to win more than 
mm-hmm. one game in two years before December 1st before we talk about them in that capacity. And they've done that this year. But even when it was bad with Shanahan in San Francisco and they couldn't win the games, you could look to what Kyle Shanahan was supposed to be good at and they were good at it. Yeah, that's a good point. Matt Patricia in Detroit, like you're supposed to be good on defense. You're 31st in defensive yards and 26th in defensive scoring. And you went out and you signed Trey Flowers to a big contract. You went out and you signed uh, Coleman also from New, uh, New England. All of the almost all of the injuries that they've incurred have been players on the offensive side of the football. Or you look at the guys that are on IR right now. It's Stafford. It's Marvin Jones. It's Hawkinson. Like the most notable carry on Johnson. The most notable names they have on the defensive side of the football are Deshaun Hand. Granted, it's a loss. And Jared Davis, who Detroit fans are going to sit here and tell you stinks out loud anyway. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's uh, get to the NFC South here. First let's team, New Orleans Saints, 11-3. and three. They've clinched the division. Sean Payton's the head coach. He's been there for a long time. He's won a Super Bowl. They've won the last three NFC, uh, NFC South championships. They had that weird run of like three, seven, and nine seasons in a row. That was extremely weird. Um, but, man, this, team, this, this team's been really consistent for the most part under him. Sean Payton's respected as one of the best leaders and, and offensive-minded coaches in 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 football. I mean, he's safe for years. The question that I kind of have is, you know, what, what's his outlook post drew Brees? Is he going to make a decision to take on a new challenge or retire? I don't know. I don't, I don't think I have enough insight into that situation, but it's something that makes me at least think about his long-term future in new Orleans. But in terms of the organizational uh, commitment to him, safe for years. Yeah, well, those those weird four years where they were seven and nine, it's because they gave up four twenty four, four seventy six, and four fifty four points those years. Yeah, I know defense has always been. Whenever the Saints are bad, it's because of, of their defense. But like they've been able to overcome bad defense before that. Mm-hmm. That's so. very true. Uh, the um, I think this team is positioned great. The only reason Sean Payton would leave is because he wants to go somewhere else or do something else. Yeah, he's safe for years. Well, I, I mean you. You could see him being like a really dynamic media type guy. You know, he could be like the next, you know, they get these bums like Jimmy Johnson out there, like put Sean Payton would be a great replacement for somebody like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm glad you didn't bring up uh, my former coach, Dave Wonstadt on the Fox pregame. Man, uh, former Bills defensive coordinator for a year as well. Dave Wonstadt. I'm sure he's a wonderful man. Uh, okay. He's got a great mustache, too. He he does. He does. Um, do you think he's bad? I don't really pay attention to when he talks ever. So I actually don't mind him. No. Yeah. I think I've seen him doing like the more of the college side. That's where he, he does, pops yeah. up for me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, Bruce Arians, year one <clears throat> in Tampa Bay. They're seven and seven, right? They've they've uh turned the yeah, corner, man. Yeah, they really have. And we we knew that, right? We talked about just this schedule was absolutely ridiculous, especially early on. It's leveled off a bit. And, um, you know, Jameis is still throwing a ton of interceptions, but he's still really productive. And, you know, defensively, they're stopping the run okay. They still can't stop the pass. Um, but I think I think Bruce Arians didn't come out of retirement and take this gig because, you know, he's going to um, not see it through. So I, I, it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Jameis. But, you know, 
he's safe for years as long as he wants to be. And I, I think he's very interested. And I and I wouldn't discredit the interest that he may have in getting his own young quarterback to develop and insert into that system in Tampa Bay and 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 work towards it. I, I think maybe there's some people out there that think, oh, Bruce doesn't want to deal with the rookie. It's Jameis or nothing. He didn't come back to have to deal with the lumps of a rookie, but I'm not so sure I agree with that. So I think he's going to be safe for years. I think he's really committed to what's going to happen here in Tampa. All right. I got a stat for you. Okay. This is year one under Bruce Arians. And with two games left to play, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have scored 416 points. When is the last time the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have scored 400 points in a season? You know, it's interesting. I feel like you're going to, you're setting me up for a surprise here, but like this was a great scoring offense under Dirk Cutter. The scoring points has never been the problem in Tampa Bay. So answer the question. When was the last time they had over 400 yards of scoring or 400 points? 400 points in a season. I would say I, I if you if you if this didn't feel like a setup, I would have said it's happened the last two years. They scored three ninety six in twenty eighteen. Okay, very cool. And, th- and three thirty five the year before that. Okay. And so they done. The it happened. It's not not the last two years. I don't know. I, I need a guess. They've been in existence since seventy six. Uh. I'm guessing it's under Jameis. I don't remember the Bucks having very good offenses previous to that. Never. Okay. <laughs> it's never happened before, and Arians has two games left to play. He's not going anywhere. And you, you, you think back like a month ago, and there were, it seemed like at least people that were disenfranchised with the coaching job that Bruce Arians has done when this team was three and seven. And I get that, but even then they're scoring points. So this team has gone from three and seven and they've beaten the Atlanta Falcons, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Indianapolis Colts and the Detroit Lions. Three of those four games, while not the most impressive competition, they've won three of those four games on the road. And as we said, they went like 40-something days without home games. And then after all that, they go on the road and win three out of four uh, on the road. Arians is going to be there as long as he wants to be there because he's done a, a wonderful job being exactly – it's the Kyle Shanahan thing. The defense stinks. We know the defense stinks. The defense ha- has – Needs a lot of work in the personnel. They made the great free agent signing in Shaq Barrett there. The secondary, despite all the the early draft investments that they've made, is still very inconsistent. They need to figure out the safety play. Uh, need more in the pass rush department. But I'm super impressed with the job Bruce Arians has done. He'll be there as long as he wants to be. Atlanta Falcons, Dan Quinn. Team is 5-9 and nine right now. Um, obviously they won the, the NFC championship, uh, in 2016, they were 10 and six in 2017, seven and nine last year, a ton of injuries. And then five and nine this year, a lot of injuries, but, uh, maybe not quite as significant as the year before uh, not trending the right way here, Dan Quinn. Um, with that said, you know, you can kind of look at his first three seasons in Atlanta and think there may be some commitment from ownership to continue with him for at least another season. Um, but I mean, let's not kid ourselves. The last two years in Atlanta have been disappointing. 
probably this year more than any. And and it's kind of weird. I think they were one in seven at some point this year. Right. And so that means they're four and two cents. I mean, they're, they're starting to stack up wins. I was thinking this team was going to pick really high in the draft to get a player that they, you know, have no business getting. And, you know, they wind up winning enough games to push them out of that range. Kind of, kind of on a lot of ways like last year where they, they started really slow and they found some, some magic towards the end of the year. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I can see him getting a one more year type thing and I can see him getting canned. So he's somewhere between getting really warm and goodbye. Yeah, I think the seat is warm. I think the seat needs to be warm. But brother, I mean, they finished the season with Jacksonville and then they're at Tampa Bay. Yeah, man, they could I mean they could be so seven and nine again. Could be seven and nine, could be six and ten. Yeah. I can't imagine they'll lose both of them. You know, we, no, they're playing good. They, They've taken wins against San Francisco and New Orleans after the bye week. Crazy. In San Francisco and in New Orleans. And they beat a reasonably good Philadelphia team early in the year. Yes. makes It makes no sense. Yeah. makes absolutely no sense. After they get shellacked, give up 53 to Houston, uh, they lose to Arizona. <sighs> I think he's back next year, but I think the seat needs to be warm. I think right. it's you. You cannot do this again. Carolina Panthers five and nine. It's already done. Yeah, They're Ron done. Rivera, two-time NFL Coach of the Year, won three consecutive NFC South championships. Quarterback can't stay healthy. Ron Rivera gets canned. Um. So yeah, I mean he's he's goodbye. Perry Fuel, I don't think has any chance of being the permanent head coach. We'll see what happens. It'll be it'll be a splash. Dave Tepper is the richest owner in the NFL. He's he's going to do something here. He wants to put his stamp on this football team, but I mean obviously there'll be a new coach, and the one that they have is goodbye. Which brings us to the NFC West, and this might be might be our most cut and dry division yet. <laughs> Seattle Seahawks are 11 and three. Pete Carroll's been a long-term staple there. He's got good rapport with John Snyder. They've got their franchise quarterback in Russell Wilson. The team's having success. He's not going anywhere, right? Yeah, I mean, they've had double-digit wins in every season since 2012, except for in 2017, they had nine. I mean, this, this team has been I mean, this team, this team has been unbelievable. Safe for years. I mean, this guy's been Pete Carroll's been like a really good overall head coach. Mm-hmm. One thirty three, eighty eight, and one sixty percent winning percentage in the NFL with three different teams. And this the one only, that he's with Seattle, I mean, is something that's going to get him in the Hall of Fame discussion, man. The only thing to monitor here is he's older than he puts off. You oh, know, he's, he's one of the older was old. one of the older head coaches in the NFL, and he still acts young. So I think See, he's still got plenty of life in him. But I. I don't foresee Pete Carroll getting fired. I see Pete Carroll at some point retiring. Yeah, he's 68. He's got another decade in him. Let's go. Run it back. (laughs) San Francisco 49ers. Also safe forever, Kyle. Forever. Forever. (laughs) Pete Pete Carroll or Kyle Shanahan? Kyle Shanahan. (laughs) Listen, we love Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers. We have never doubted this man for a second. Nope. No. 11 and 3 big breakout season. They finally get the healthy year out of Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh they their roster 
overhaul under John Lynch has kind of materialized as far as they supplemented with going out and getting D Ford, who I knew has been banged up at points this season, but defensively they've got a real strong identity. Um, I think it's pretty safe to say Kyle Shanahan's with, with how good he is at calling plays and how good his rushing offense works. And he's safe for years in San Francisco. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he's got to keep it going, right? That's going to be the big challenge for mm-hmm. he's, I mean, he's still proven that, you know, he has staying power, but my goodness, the season he's having right now, I'd have no reason to believe that they won't be able to con- consistently win moving forward. And, you know, you see them in a game like the one against the saints and you, you really just understand that they're, they're a good football team. You don't, you don't play that game with the saints and not, you know, deserve to be as good as your 11 and three record. There shouldn't be any questions about that. So yeah, good things happening in, in San Francisco and int- interested to see how, you know, how well it sustains itself. Sean McVay, the Los Angeles Rams, a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover this year. They're eight and six right now. Um, don't have the most enviable finish to the schedule either. They got San Francisco this week on Saturday, and then they finish with Arizona. So you're you're probably looking at nine and seven. They got shellac last week by the Dallas Cowboys. But listen, McVay came in and took over a team that under Jeff Fisher was horrible, was terrible. And he instantly comes in and revitalizes a lot of the talent that they have on the roster, including a potential franchise quarterback that a lot of people love to hate on in Jared Goff. Uh, But they've had success. I think he's safe for years, but I am a little worried about how Les Snead has painted this team into a corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With his eagerness to spend assets on established players that you then have to pay because mm-hmm. they're established players. And um, they gave up a ton of capital at the top of the draft for Jalen Ramsey. We've talked a lot about the, the dilemma that is presented to the LA Rams based on you're going to have needs on your offensive line. I don't know where you're going to find the fixes because you're not yeah. going to be able to afford a whole lot of blue chip players because you had to trade a keep to leap to help manufacture cap space to, to take on Jalen Ramsey. And we thought they might've been positioning for another big move and to would have been an expiring contract anyway, but they like literally paid the, the dolphins paid him to take to off their books. So Man. cash is, is not the most readily available and it's going to continue to be not available based on the way Les needs position the team. So McVay will have his, his work cut out for him to coach this team and get 10-plus wins in this division for the next couple of years. But I think based on what he's done so far, he's safe for years. Miami Dolphins legend, Aqib Tlaib. That's um, right. Yeah, Didn't even good. leave Los Angeles when he got <laughs> traded. He's still out there. <laughs> Never thought for a second he was showing up. Uh <laughs> So yeah, I think I think that's the biggest question I have is is what does this look like long term because of the way they've chosen to construct their roster and I think there's a there's a balance to you know having draft classes hitting on picks paying those players at the cycle that they come due but they've really accelerated things by some of the trades they've made and some of the contracts they've handed out and they're going to have they're going to make a lot of concessions on the roster. This year the concession was on the offensive line. 
And that has been crippling. And, and so in future years, where do those concessions have to be and how do they overcome it? They're putting a lot of stress on their pro scouting, on their college scouting, because they don't they they have to hit on they're gonna have to hit on late picks. They're gonna have to find bargain bin free agents all the time to come in and fill meaningful roles. I mean, they are they gonna be able to bring back Corey Littleton? Are they gonna bring back Dante Fowler? I don't know, man. This team is scrap is is oh, Fowler's is, gone. Well, and then they got Ramsey's deal to deal with. They're, I mean, they're paying all they're paying Gurley and they're paying Goff and they're paying all the couple of receivers pretty big cash man it's just the, the the disbursement of funds on their roster is does, doesn't have the balance you're you're looking for and so it's going to be it's going to be a, a lot on Sean McVay to, to coach this team up and have to do a little bit more uh at, at where in some areas of the roster they're just going to be a little bit undermanned right but safer safer years we think yeah which brings us to Cliff Kingsbury, the Arizona Cardinals. They're 4-9-1, two games left to play. The Cardinals, their last two games, they play uh, at Seattle and at the Rams. So not a great close to the season yeah. as far as looking for additional wins. And this team, I will say this, Cliff is – as advertised as far as the impact that he's been able to provide the Cardinals offense. I think the Cardinals offense is drastically better than what it was uh, in 2018 under Steve Wilkes. Uh, The yardage is up. The points are up. The efficiency is up. Uh, They're doing that with a rookie quarterback. Kyler's had a respectable first year. Pretty. If, if you, would have told 40 or Cardinals fans, you're going to get 65% completion, 3,000 yards passing, uh, 500 rushing yards, 21 total touchdowns to 10 interceptions, and he's still going to be sacked 46 times. You'd be pretty happy with those numbers for Kyler on a surface level. So I think the big thing now, Cliff is safer years because he gave you what you were expecting. And now you have to give him the opportunity to please build out your offensive line. Please give Kyler some dynamic, some more dynamic weapons. I know we're excited about Andy Isabella being there. I know we're excited about what Christian Kirk is capable of doing. But if I asked you right now who the leading receiver is, of the Arizona Cardinals, you're going to tell me too. Larry Fitzgerald. How many yards does he have? <clears throat> I think he has like 720. 700. Yeah. I mean, you have to remember, I just did a bunch of work on the Cardinals yesterday. Okay. Well, <laughs> here's my other point. Where's the explosive plays coming from in this offense? Fitzgerald, 67 catches, 10.6 yards a catch. Christian Kirk, 61 catches, 10.6 yards per catch. David Johnson's third on the team in receiving yards with 366, 10.5 yards a catch. They need dynamic outside weapons. Andy Isabella averaging 21 yards per catch because he had a long of 88 yards on one of his catches. He's ideally a slot guy anyway. They, they need to build out around what they have in Kyler and Cliff so that Cliff can unlock more of his offense. So I think he's safe for years, but that's now your objective for Arizona. 
Yeah, the the last three years in Arizona, three three head coaches, three quarterbacks, two first round picks spent on quarterbacks. I mean, they, they've they've got to stick with a course here, right? That's going to be really important for them. And they picked a really bold one here with Cliff Kingsbury, who was a failed coach at his alma mater, Texas Tech. And you know, obviously, I don't think we could have expected a whole lot more than what we've seen this year. Um, you you went over some Kyler stats, and here's one that I thought was really interesting when I was digging into this yesterday. How many sacks uh, has the Cardinals given up this year? Forty six. Forty six. So, uh, Pro Football Focus charges Kyler Murray with twenty one of those. Oh. oh. <laughs> okay. Maybe trying to do a little bit too much, huh? Well, it's yeah, you know, in in look, a lot of people have done a bad job discussing young quarterbacks in the NFL right now and not understanding the growth in that they're not as good as they'll ever be and there's steps for them to take and and they're not a complete player immediately in their career, especially a guy like Kyler Murray, who was a one year starter at Oklahoma. But yeah, I mean he's been charged with thirty seven total pressures. In 21 sacks, man. I mean, it's it's that stuff where it's understanding when you have to go hot, when they're sending a guy that you can't account for with your protection, not holding on to the ball for too long and putting your, your offensive line in a bad spot because there's not an offensive lineman. As bad as we think Arizona's offensive line is, there's not one of them that's given up more than four sacks. Not one of them. They're starting off with Justin Murray, four sacks. Justin Pugue, four sacks. DJ Humphreys, two sacks. AQ Shipley, two sacks. Mason Cole, one sack. All right. How many pressures, though? Uh, how many pressures? Uh, yeah, Humph- how many Humphreys, pressures 27. Murray, 22. Sweezy, 21. Pugue, 20. AQ Shipley, 14. Okay. I think those are normal numbers for like a, an NFL offensive lineman. At, but, at and, and I would counter this as well. We're talking about pressures on Kyler versus pressures on the offensive line. Pressures on the quarterback. Versus, yeah, pressures on Kyler versus pressures on that are the responsibility of the offensive Yeah, Kyler's been charged with 37 pressures, which is 10 more than his highest offensive lineman, which is DJ Humphreys. I think Arizona's been doing almost, they've been doing what they can because their depth of target downfield is 6.9 yards, Joe. There are thir- wow. 33 quarterbacks in the NFL that have a greater depth of target downfield than 6.9 yards from Kyler. Yeah, that's interesting. So well, we then that doesn't about, make sense, we, though. Why does he have so many pressures then if he's getting the ball out so quick? Because the plays where he's not getting the ball out quick is the plays that he's getting pressured. Yeah. He's, DJ Humphreys it, it's either been, the ball's out or he's under pressure, period. DJ Humphreys has 13 penalties against him. That's a ton. 13. Not, not, 13. But uh, yeah, so yeah, they they've got to stick with this course for a while. They they've got to let it play out. They 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 chose a unique path, and and it deserves time. Cliff's got to be safe for years. This show is also safe for years because we're done. It's going <laughs> it, into. I enjoyed this man. It was a good two day stretch there. Going into the vault. It is locked in. These takes are subject to change based on us being proven wrong. In which case, we reserve the right to change our opinions. New information, you know. We're it's just going with the ever, information we have at the time. The best best opinion we can form based on the information that's available to us right now. That's all we're doing. So we're projecting what five or six vacancies, basically. Uh, we are projecting. Carolina's already done. Washington's already done. We're projecting uh, New York also Giants. being open. The Giants. The, the Giants being open. That's what I said. New York. There's 
could, there's also the Jets. So we didn't say he was gone, though. I know. Just clarifying. And then in the AFC side, we said Freddie should be gone, but he probably won't be. Jacksonville. Jacksonville. So we're projecting four openings. And then a big maybe in Atlanta. A big maybe. Yeah. And should be openings in Cleveland and Detroit. But there won't be. But there probably won't be. Unless there are. In which case, we'll talk about them. (laughs) Come on back. We've got uh, Saturday games this week. we got Sunday games. The bowl season starts today. So there's a lot of football to watch. We look forward to breaking it all down for you guys on Monday. Come on back and see us. Hope you guys enjoy your weekend.